Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. Pastor Bo Stevenson. I've been a part of Grace Church. Um, last month was my 10th year of attending Grace. Um, so, I, yeah, pretty excited about that. It's been a great decade that I've had. Grace Church has meant a lot to me. It's where I've been able to step into my calling of ministry, where Pastor Travis has worked pretty closely with me, and I appreciate him and love him and Tina, um, not just because they're my in-laws, but because I really love them. Um, but it was great. Grace Church has been amazing the last 10 years. Met my wife here. Um, my wife and I farm in Hazleton. So I'm a far, full-time farmer. And I used to say I was a part-time pastor or a part-time minister. Or I was in ministry part-time. But I had somebody correct me once and said, there's an uh, older guy that I looked up to. He said, no, man, you're, you're not part-time ministry because you're calling. A calling that God places on your life is full-time. And so God is somehow used my life and allowed me to do what I love, farming and run a, a farm business and also do ministry at the same time. And, and the way he's worked those two things together, I could, have never, I could have never imagined 10 years ago, but it's been amazing and I thank God for it. Um, so let's go ahead and open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for today. I thank you for each and every one of us here at Grace Church this morning, Lord. I'm thankful for my brothers and sisters in Christ. I pray that you would open up our hearts, open up our minds and our ears to hear the word that you have for us today, God. And in doing so, I ask that you would allow me to step aside. God, you know better than anybody else in this room that I have nothing to say apart from you, Lord, that you would speak through me, Holy Spirit, that we would hear your word today, God, and walk away refreshed, renewed, uh, with a little more knowledge leaving than we had when we came in, God, with our lives changed, ready to serve you in Jesus' name, God, by your authority and your power, we give you all honor and glory and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so the last couple of weeks, Pastor Travis has been in a series called The Season of Power, right? He, he's heard, uh, you know, he, he, he's heard from God that this 2023 for Grace Church is going to be a season of power where we step into the things of God and we, and we say, listen, God, use us. We're here to be used by you as vessels for your glory. May your power work through us, right? It's a season of power. And he's talked about season of uh, or power of forgiveness, the power of men. Uh, next week, he's going to talk about the power of, of women. And, and this week, we're going to talk about the power of focus. The power of focus. So in today's world, how many of you know that we live in a very high-speed world? We live in a world uh, of instant gratification, right? Things that we want can come in an instant. We live in an instant culture. There's a lot of things that are a pull, uh, begin to pull our attention away from what's important. Our cell phones pull us away from our family. Our job may pull us away from the things of God. Things are distracting us from and making us lose our focus on the things that are important. And it's the same way as it is in our physical life with physical things taking our attention. There's things in our spiritual life that also take our focus and distract us. We become distracted in our physical life, we become distracted in our spiritual life. We get busy. We become busy people. How many of you know that, and hear my heart on this, that ministry can be a distraction. That serving other people can be a distraction. That your family can be a distraction. And it becomes a distraction by doing ministry and doing, uh, you know, serving God 
by serving people and not God. By serving yourself. You're going to church because you have to. You're going to volunteer for the ladies' dinner or the men's breakfast because brother or sister so-and-so told you you had to or you should come. So you're doing it to fulfill the, the will of a person rather than focusing on God. And you've become distracted from your focus on, on God who's the reason why you're doing the things he called you to do to begin with. And so all this stuff can be a distraction. And I believe that God in calling us into a season of power is also calling us into a season of being focused, of utilizing the power of being focused. Because being busy in ministry with family without the focus on God means that we begin to depart from our purpose in Christ, which is to ultimately serve him and to glorify his name. So today we're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 3 verse 12, actually starting in verse 10. But we'll focus on 12 through 14. So Philippians chapter 3. And I hope that you brought your Bibles today. I love it when people bring their Bibles. Mark it up. Don't keep your Bible pristine. You know, in 10 years, let your pages start falling apart. And go get a new one and start all over again. Don't be afraid to write your prayers and, and your needs. And to highlight things. Use your Bible the way it was intended to be studied. So bring your Bible. Underline today. Philippians chapter 3. Starting uh, in verse 10. It says, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. What a bold statement that Paul says. Just think about that. He wants to become, uh, uh, to know the power of his resurrection, participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in death. Verse 11. And so somehow, attaining to the resurrection from the dead, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Verse 13, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of, it, hold of it. So what's Paul saying? He's saying, listen, I'm not there yet. I'm not perfect. You know, you could think of Paul as the perfect Christian. He heard from God. He wrote the New Testament. He did amazing things in ministry and in missionary work. But he's saying here, listen, I've not yet arrived. I do not, con uh, I, I, I've not already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And so we're going to look at, we're going to look at this verse. We're going to see the three things that Paul's telling us to do. He's saying, listen, forget the past, past, face the future, and focus on God. So let's look at the first one. Forget the past. Philippians 3.13 says, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. He's saying, forget about your past. I want you to look around, look ahead of you, behind you, to the side, the person you came in with. Look at yourself. That person's got a past. Everybody's walked in here with a past life of, of events and regrets. And, and maybe there's things that you're proud of, things that you've accomplished, that you're happy with. There's things that you're ashamed of. You've brought a past with you today. And Paul is telling you today to forget it. Forget the past. Our past, you know, is this, is this interesting thing that we have to contend with because in the eyes of the world, right, in the eyes of the world, your past is something that you have to carry every day and everywhere that you go. Our sins to the world might not be easily forgiven, right? The life that you've lived in the past, a lot of people know who you were, knew who you were, have seen the things you've done, seen the things you've said. They're not easily forgiven by the world. We have to live with that. There's consequences to our actions. So it's not easily forgiven to the world, but we carry, you know, this shame and this regret and all these, I wish I could have, I wish I would have. But in Christ, those things are gone, right? We carry these chains of our sin, of our regret and our past 
As if Christ hasn't busted them and, and laid them on the floor for us to be free. Why do we keep going back to our sin, to our past, and we're picking up the chains and we're throwing them over our shoulders and we're attempting to walk this walk that God has placed before us and run the race well? We can't do that. We need to forget it. We had our meeting, you know, every morning, the uh, ministry teams and everything, they meet in the prayer room. Have a little, you know, meeting before service starts, kind of a rundown of everything. And we be, we're talking about this message today and somebody brought up, you know, the fact that, yes, we need to forget our sins because in Christ Jesus, we are made new again. We're made whole again, but we also need to forgive other people of their sins when they've sinned against us, right? How many of us, we might be okay with our past. We might have realized if we walk in the freedom of God, you have no problem with that. But your brother down the road said something to you didn't like and now you hold it against him the rest of the week. We, if God can forgive us, we can forgive other people because God's forgiven them. So forget your past. Forget others' past. You know, we can look at the past. We can learn from the past. But we cannot live in the past. I'm a huge history guy. I love history. I like world history, American history, family history. I, I, I've gotten into genealogy. I don't know if anybody's gone down that rabbit hole. But man alive, that is... To me, fun. I'll stay up getting on these little tangents. I'm up till two or three in the morning. I love history. I like to look back at the things that I've accomplished. I like to look back at, the, at, at my life and pictures that I've taken over the last 28 years of my life. I love looking at the past. I like to learn from my past because there's things that I've said and that I've done and the way that I've handled myself in situations yesterday and last year and 10 years ago that I am not proud of, that I can learn from and say, listen, I, you know, I can't let my emotions get to me. I need to, to forgive people. I need to understand grace, that God gives me grace. I can give other people grace so I can learn from my past. But you know, one thing that I've learned is I cannot live in my past. I can't live in it. You cannot dwell, whether it was things you're ashamed of, things, the sins that you've committed against God or against yourself or against other people, or it's things that you're proud of, things that you've accomplished. You cannot live in the past because for one, if you're dwelling on your sin and your shame, you're carrying the shackles that God has already busted. You're going back to the person who held you captive in the, you know, in a shed and the police has come, you know, the cops have come saved you and he went back and said, this chair is really comfortable. I think I'm just going to stay here. Thanks for freeing me. But I'm going to say, why would you wouldn't do that? So why do we do that with sin? When it comes to things that we're proud of, we can't be dwelling on our accomplishments too long to allow pride to come into our life and say, do you know what I've done with my life? You know who I am? Look at what I've done in my past. I, I, I think I know business. I think I know this. That's when pride comes. And what's, what does the Bible say? Pride comes before the fall. And so we, either way, whether you're, you're happy with your past or you're regretting your past, you cannot live in that past. It's time to move on. Amen? So if we as saved believers in Christ are putting all of our thoughts and our attentions on, on what or who we used to be or what the world says we used to be, we're not going to be able to fully step into what God has for your life. You can't do that. You cannot walk the race well without stumbling, without stopping for a breath when you're carrying your chains behind you. When Christ is saying, let them go. I've let you free. Let them go. If we, if we realize that, that, that God has a calling on our lives and he has a future for us, we've got to start facing the future, right? And forget the past. When Paul wrote this, Paul is the one who wrote this saying, forget what is behind. He of all people, if you know his story, had a reason to forget his past, right? He was Saul. He was a murderer. He was a torturer of Christians. He was a high Jewish leader who hated Christians and hated Christ. 
He hated the things of God, of Jesus, hated anything to do with that. He put him in prison. He'd kill him. He'd torture him. He was against all, all, all of that that Jesus stood for, right? Until he had a radical transformation with Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, you are, I'm going to use you. Your name is no longer Saul, but your name is Paul. He believed on Christ from that transformation, which you should read it. It's in Acts. I can't remember what chapter, 9? No? Something like that. Anyway. A lot of theologians in here. So, uh, <laughs> Anyway, he had a radical transformation. And so he has a reason to, to, to dwell on his past, right? He has a good reason to forget it. But what would have happened if Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament and is responsible for all the missionary work, the, the spreading of the gospel from Israel clear to Europe and clear into the rest of the world eventually, the person who's responsible with that, what would have happened if he would have said, listen, I can't do this. I'm not, I'm not good enough to do this. You know what I used to do back in my past? You know who I used to be? I, I'm, not, I'm not qualified to do this. What happens if he would have listened to God? Or wouldn't have listened to God when God said, I'm going to use you. And Christ said, I'm going to use you for my glory. What happens if he would have listened to that voice saying, you're not worth it? What if he would have listened to the enemy? We wouldn't be here today probably. We've got to do the same thing. We've got to quit looking at our past and allowing Satan and the world to speak into our life who we used to be or who we who we. What we did, you know, we're not that person anymore. That's yesterday. That's behind. Forget what is behind and leave it there. Amen? Yeah. You know, the gospel. We hear the word the gospel and we use the gospel to describe things. You know, there's gospel music. There's a gospel preacher. There's a gospel uh, movie or whatever. But, and so we've gotten so used to the word. But do you know that the word gospel means good news? It means good news. Do you know what that good news is? Part of that good news is that our past no longer dictates our future. There's good news in that, that my past no longer defines who I am today or where I'm going in Jesus. Yes, you know, you might have consequences for your action that lasts a lifetime. There's laws and there's, there's, there's consequences for things. But in God's eyes, that is gone. You are clean. You are, you are now forgiven under the blood of Jesus Christ because of his grace and his love for you. You know, a repentant heart, faith in Christ and a life devoted to him means that you now have a clean slate. In God's eyes. The Bible is very clear that when we accept Christ, when we believe in him for, as our atonement for our sins, God throws our sins, our iniquities as far away from us as possible. Micah chapter 7 verse 19 says that you, meaning God, you will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Anybody ever heard the term sea of forgetfulness? The old song, No Fishing by Jake Cass. Probably the only guy that knows that guy. Favorite singer, look him up, change your life, you'll love it. <laughs> Gather music. Anyway, he's got a song, No Fishing. You know, quit fishing for your sins in the sea of forgetfulness. If God can throw it in the sea and it's covered under the blood, quit trying to pull them back up. Because all it's doing is stopping you from growing in Christ. It's all it's doing. Psalms 103.11 says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. In verse 12, if you have your Bibles, grab a pen from in front of your seat. If you don't have one, and underline verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And so through Christ, we see that God has removed our sins completely from us. Now, does this mean that you and I quit sinning or that we now have a free pass to sin because God is going to forgive us because of his grace? No, you're still going to sin. Temptations are still going to come. Troubles are going to come your way. The things that you're past are still going to say, the enemy's going to use to try to knock the things that God is building in your life down. And so you're still going to struggle with sin. 
But you now have the grace and the mercy to come to God and say, Lord, I messed up. Yesterday was quite the ride, wasn't it, Lord? Today's going to be a new day. Thank God through his son, Jesus, our Lord, that we can wake up and have a new day. No longer do we have to live in our sin. No longer do we have to dwell in the mud and the grime of our, of our, uh, of our uh, you know, shame and whatever we, we carry with us. We can let that go and continue walking free and give Jesus our burdens. Amen. And so through Christ, God has completely removed our sin. And when God looks at you, all he sees is the blood of Christ. He sees salvation. He sees the cross. And, and sometimes we as the church, we tend to, to put Jesus on the cross, right? And we tend to leave him on the cross. Well, this is good. Not even in my notes. We leave him on the cross. But do you know that Jesus came down off that cross to fulfill the prophecies written in the Old Testament and is now risen from the tomb? You can look for Buddha. You can look for Muhammad. You're going to find a body and remain sitting in a tomb. You're not going to find salvation. But you go looking for Jesus Christ and his body, you ain't going to find it because he's now risen for your sins at the right hand of the Father. So it's time that we pull him off the cross. He's not a baby anymore. Baby Jesus grew up to be a man who loved you enough to die, do a three-year ministry, and on his 33-year, go to a cross willingly for your sins. And then he come off the cross. Time to let them let them come down and, and, and live in you and accept that salvation. Amen. So it's a free gift. Salvation's free. Simple for us. Horrible things, you know, that Christ had to go through. Not so easy for him. Easy for us. Thank you, Lord. But Christ's perfect sacrifice. It's God's free gift of salvation that now brings us into this new paradigm where we're standing, filled with the Holy Spirit, saying, God, use me, Lord. Don't let me waste any second of my life. You now have to be held accountable for your actions and the time that God has given you on this planet, on this, in this life, where we stand before God and he says, what have you done with the things I've given you? Did you simply, you know, did God save you? And did you simply just, just sit on your hands and, and wait till the second coming, till he called you home? Or did you, you try to gather as many people as you could coming with you? We stand filled with the Holy Spirit in the love and the continual presence of God, ready, to, ready and free, right? Free, there's freedom in Christ to live a life that's pleasing to God. And we're no longer bound to the chains of our past, ready to face the future. And as the future comes, we've got to learn to let go of those chains. They're broken and you just keep throwing it on. Let them go and face the future, which brings us to point number two. Paul says, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. And he says what? Straining toward what is ahead. Straining toward what is ahead. Now this phrase, straining toward something, puts in my mind, it paints a picture of a runner. Any runners in the house? You love marathons and stuff? Got a couple? I'm, my hand's not up because I am. I'm just, I'm asking. I am not a runner, okay? I, I, I got sweaty walking up those stairs. Which, <laughs> I'm working on that. But I'm not a runner. My wife is. She, they, her and my son did uh, the turkey trot. I think it was in Burley. Tried to get me to do it, and I, uh, I had stuff to do that day. And <laughs> real busy. But my son went, and my, and my wife said, well, you can run, you know, ride your bike. Stetson, you can ride your bike with me. And so uh, Stetson, I said, are you sure you want to do this? Oh, yeah, I'm going to ride my bike. All right, good luck. Comes back, how was it, dude? You have so much fun? No. <laughs> what? I had to, just, it was so long, I just kept pedaling and pedaling and going, and it, it, I, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> and so I, you know, he's my son. 
<laughs> doesn't fall too far from the tree, I guess. But, but when you run a race, what I do know, I might not be a runner, but I understand a race. When you run a race, as you begin the race, you start, you have an ending point. You have a focal point, which is the finish line, right? You're not running just to run to see how far you can run without getting tired. You have a finish line. There's an ending. I'm telling you today that you have an ending in your life right now. There is a finish line in your life waiting at the end, and, and, and I don't want to be, maybe my finish line, I want to be cruel, my finish line might be this evening. We're not promised tomorrow. Your finish line might be 50 years from now. But you have a finish line. You have something to focus on. You know where you're headed. And our finish line in the Christian life, when we give our life to Christ and we're a new creation and we say, God, use me, our finish line is now eternity in the presence of God. It is now Jesus, Right? And so 1 Corinthians 9, 24 says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. You know, one thing I noticed today, and it's a fact, is that everybody is running for something. They're running for some sort of crown. Now, now, in the Philippines, I, I was doing some study into these races. At the time, they had the Olympics, and they had another race, and I can't remember the name, but it was every other year. Well, the, the, the prize for that race was a wreath, like a, a crown made out of a wreath type thing. That or, organic matter is going to disappear, yet they still ran for the prize. We run today. A lot of people are running for things that are not going to last for eternity. A lot of people live their life for money. We live our life for pride. We live our life for, for acknowledgement. We run it for self-importance, for financial stability. We, all, you know, we run for things that are temporary. But as Christians, we run for things that are going to last for eternity. We run for Jesus. We run for the finish line to, to, to exit from this life into the next and stand before our God. And he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. That is our race that we run. But we have to realize that this is our race and understand the importance of it. Verse 26 says, therefore, I do not run like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So what's Paul saying here? Paul's saying this life is going to be, it's going to take some work, right? This race to run it effectively and run it well and to stand before God and say, this is what I did with the time you've given me. It's going to take some work and it's going to take some discipline. You know, we oftentimes make this we make this, this excuse, or we, we come up with this assumption that, well, because I'm a Christian and because I'm saved and because I'm, I'm going to church every Sunday, my life's going to be easy. Right? My life's going to be easy. I'm never going to have trouble. My kids are going to be wealthy and healthy and wise. And, 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 and I'm never going to run into a wall. And, and things are just going to be perfect. You know, my prayer life is going to come naturally. And my Bible study is going to be easy. And loving people is going to be so simple because I'm a Christian. You live two seconds in this life, you realize that's not true. It's not true. It's a race. Races are not meant to be easy. Jesus never promised this to be an easy life. In fact, he said you're going to have trouble and probably have more trouble following him than you would not following him. It's going to be hard. But Paul's saying you have to beat your body. He says, I beat my body and I make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. 
So what's he mean by beat my body? You know, as we face our future in Christ, we have to be disciplined in the things of God. That means disciplined in your prayer life, disciplined in your, in your fellowship with one another, disciplined in your Bible study and in your love for other people. It's going to take work and it's going to take intentionality on your part to do those things, to be effective, for, to do the things that God has called you to do and to be an effective minister of the gospel, to be an effective uh, missionary in your mission field. You have to be disciplined and say, listen, God, today is your day. This is your hour. I'm here to talk to you. We're going to deep dive in your Bible study. It takes intentionality, right? Your Bible can't sit on the shelf and expect to hear from God all the time when that Bible's sitting there and you're not diving into it. And you're not spending time with God. We have to be intentional with our fellowship. In order for us to be all that God has called us to be, we have to come to church. We have to fellowship. We were not made to do this life on our own. We weren't made to do this life on our own. You know, the, the, we, we're intended as the church. The, Jesus said, listen, there's hands, there's feet, there's eyes. The eyeball can't walk on it. So, you know, we all form part of the body for the body of Christ to be effective in the mission that Christ has given us, which is to tell the gospel. But in all of that, in that work, you and I are called to build each other up. When one brother or sister is struggling, we come alongside them and we pray for them and we walk life with them and we check in on them and say, hey, brother, sister, how you doing? I'm here for you. When somebody has, ha, has difficulty in a situation, we're there to give counseling as the body of Christ. We're here to love one another. We cannot walk on our own. It hurts my heart when I hear Christians say, I don't need none of that, you know, organized religion. I can get this on my own. Well, it's true. God will save you. But your life's going to be difficult by yourself. I'm telling you that. You will never step into the full calling that God has for your life without other people around you. Does that mean everybody's going to be perfect? No, you might get hurt along the way. That's called the flesh and that's just being human. That's when, you know, forgiveness and apology and everything else comes in that comes right with that. But we have to be intentional. If we're going to face the future for God, we have to be intentional in the things of God. In order to run this life well, we have got to understand the importance of what we're called to do. And that is to reach the lost. That is to live a life of example for others to see the glory of God in you and to see the work that God has done in you and through you so that they, we can point them to Jesus himself, right? And you say, well, you know, it's, I'm not a missionary. I can't just go out and leave my house and go clear across the world. Well, I'm telling you right now, you don't have to go to Uganda. You don't have to go to Cuba. If God calls you to that, go. But your mission field right now is everywhere you step your foot. It is everywhere you go is your mission field. I have been guilty of, of, of saying, well, I'm just not going to, you know, I might be in a bad mood today. I ain't going to talk to anybody. This and that. Listen, where you go is your mission field. Like we talked about, you can forget your past, but you go out in the world, people you run into, you haven't seen for 10 or 15 years. Say, man, I remember we used to party hard. You know, I remember you, this, you did this and that. I know who you used to be. But listen, it's your opportunity now to say, that's not, you know, I used to be that. That's not who I am now. This is what Jesus has done in my life. And as you live your life for Christ and you're intentional about the things of God, being open to opportunities to pray for people, to give to others, to give of your time, to live a life that is a sacrifice to God. As you live that life, people are going to notice the difference and say, what is going on with you? And opens up an opportunity to say, listen, brother, it ain't me. It's Jesus. Your life's a mission field. And we need to start being intentional and realize that, hey, everywhere I go, I got an opportunity to share Jesus. We're not doing it to glorify ourselves. We're not doing it to bring attention to ourselves and say, look how clean, look how good I am now. No, we're doing it to glorify God because of the true change that he's brought in our life. Hold on. I messed up my page. Okay. 
Focus on God. Number three. So go ahead and turn your Bible to Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. It goes on to say, I press toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know, I've titled this message, Power and Focus. But really, I should have called it Power in God. Because apart from God, you and I can do nothing. Apart from God, all of this, apart from Jesus being the main focus, the center of what we're doing here today, this would be all in vain. This would be nothing. If we come to church without the expectation to, to, to meet God, to experience the presence of God, to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, to build one another up and to worship the true God, the God who loves us. If we come to church without that being our main priority, these are just four walls and this is just a meeting. Without God, we can do nothing. It is the power of God inside of us that brings the power of God to the world, right? He uses us as his hands and his feet. So apart from God, we can do nothing. We can talk about running a race. We can talk about going to church and how well we serve in the youth ministry or, or how well we're worshiping or how well we, we were able to give Bibles out on the corner or, or, or to talk to somebody, you know, and just encourage them up. But if you don't have Jesus as your main priority and your main reasoning behind that, you've missed the mark. We've missed the mark. It's all about him. He's the reason we do this. He's the reason we're here. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance, a race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You know, this life, as we talked about, is so full of distractions. So full of things that are, that are, that are begging and, and desiring to pull us apart and away from God and away from the things of God and to allow you to stumble. It is easier today to sin quietly than it was 10 years ago. It's easier today to sin than it was 5 years ago. Right? There's distractions. But what's the author of Hebrews saying? It's saying, listen, get rid of all that. Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that entangles you. Get rid of it. That means that your phone, if you cannot handle texting somebody that's not your spouse or calling them, get rid of it. If you can't handle internet access, cut your internet off. Right? You got to get rid of the sin. Jesus himself said, listen, uh, Matthew 5, 30 says, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. You've got to get rid of the sin. We live in a culture today where wrongs are right and rights are wrongs and he's a she and she's a him and they're a them and we're all wrong it's, as the church. It's full of things that, 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 that are desiring to pull us away from God when our focus needs to be on him, but it's desiring to crush us, to pull us away because the enemy Bible says Satan is there to kill, steal and destroy. Paul warned us about the times that we're living in today in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says, people are, or chapter or 3 verse 2, he says, people are lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, they're boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, no self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. In verse 5, I want you to underline this. He says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Have nothing to do with these people. So what's he mean by verse 5? 
A lot of people that walk around today and a lot of churches that walk around today, a lot of folks that, that put on the appearance of being a Christian, of being a good Christian. Well, I come to church, you know, and I'm, I got my suit and tie and, and, and I've done this and that and this and that, but they have no, no uh, desire to do it to glorify God. They don't have the Holy Spirit inside of them leading them. They're doing it not for God's glory, but for their glory. Paul warned us about times like this. And so in Hebrews 12, as it says, we have to throw off everything that hinders us and get rid of the sin in our life and run the race that God has set before you. As, Ma as we just talked about Matthew 5, Jesus says, cut off your arm if it is causing you to sin. It's better to go, uh, better to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. So get rid of whatever's causing you to sin today and focus on Jesus. It's going to take some intentional, you know, intentional uh, doing to get rid of that thing. It's going to cause a sacrifice on your side because you know what? Our flesh says we desire this and we want that and it feels good and I love it. And it's just one time and God will forgive me. Cut it off. If we are called to be living in a season of power, that means being intentional and saying, I am going to stand firm in 2023 for God. And I'm not going to live half-heartedly as a Christian. I'm going to stand and I'm going to walk the walk that God has for me because this life is too short and there's too much at stake for me to go about it by myself. You know, I don't know what, what God is speaking to you today. I don't know what he is, is wanting you to do. Maybe it's been 5, 10, 15 years or a day that he's been talking to you. And you know that there's something, whatever it is that God's calling you to do that you need to do. Or you need to step into, but you've been, you've been putting it off, right? You've been saying, God, I'm not ready yet. I'm not good. And I got to wait till my life's in order a little bit more. I'll do it tomorrow. No, I'm here to tell you. I don't know what that thing is, but today's the day. Today's the day. Yesterday's in the past. It's too far gone. You can't reach it anymore. Tomorrow is uncertain. So maybe, maybe you don't have a tomorrow. I don't, might not have a tomorrow. Time is of the essence. Today is the day that God is calling you. And it's time to step in and say, God, I'm tired of wasting my life. I'm tired of it. Use me, God. You say, well, my life's messed up, Bo. Well... Welcome to the club, my friend. That's what we're here together for. <laughs> we're here to lift, lift each other up in the name of Jesus. In order for God to have what, what he wants in your life, we have to be intentional on our side and saying, God, use me. There might not be much left. I, don't, I can't count the, the amount of times that I've stood in the presence of God and I've said, God, you know what? I have ran this life so far and I've wasted my days in the past and I'm not happy with the person I am today, Lord. And I just say, God, you know what? There's not a lot left of what I have. But take what I have and use me. And he does. He use, he'll use you. Change my heart, God, and use me. Hebrews 12, 2 says, fix our eyes on Jesus. Going back to that verse, the pioneer, perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Verse 3 goes on to say, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So what's he saying here? He says, when life gets hard, focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Look at him as your example. When life gets hard, remember what he did. When temptation becomes to overwhelm you and sin overwhelms and you can't hear the voice of God because the voice of the world and the voice of the enemies begin becoming too loud in your ears because you've allowed it a stronghold. You've allowed it a place in your life. Get rid of it and say, God, use me, Lord. Look at Jesus as the example. It says, look at him who considered uh, or considered him who has endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. He's saying, don't lose heart and don't grow weary because God loves you enough to give his son 
for you. I think that sometimes, especially as the American church, we become so used to you know, grace and mercy because we live in such a free country and we're allowed to do a lot of things as a society that sometimes we don't have it as hard as, as it used to be for Christians, that we forget the ultimate sacrifice that God did on the cross for us, right? We forget the actual true and the, the, the power behind the, the, the sacrifice because we're so used to saying, God, thank you for your salvation. God, thank you for your grace. I'm a new child in God. But listen, consider the things that he went through when we begin to think our life is hard and difficult. We don't want to give up so early because of the price that Christ paid for you is worth more than anything you can find on earth. The, 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 the expense that he bought you, right, out of sin is worth more than anything. And we shouldn't let that go to waste. Consider he who opposed such opposition. Sin overwhelms us. We need to remember the cross. Remember, we need to remember Jesus. And we need to remember and to remind the enemy who we are, whose we are, and where we're going. That you're a child of God. That you're saved. That you're free. That you don't have to live in the past. You're not who you used to be. Yeah, I used to do this, but thank God, look where I'm at now. Lord, he's changed me. and He can do the same for you. Let that go. Focus on Jesus and face the future. Thank you, Jesus. As I begin to close, I've got about a minute left. So I got at least 15 to go, right? So as I begin to close, I want us to realize today that we have freedom in Christ. We're, as Christians, we allow ourselves to be placed into bondage of sin because we just can't seem to let it go. Jesus is saying, I've broke those chains. I've broke that behind you. I, I have carried your burden so that you can walk free and upright and do the things I've called you to do. And today is the day to stand in that freedom. We're new creations in Christ, no longer bound by sin. John 8, 36 says, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. If the Son sets you free, that means if He sets you free out of sin, if He sets you free out of shame, if He sets you free out of anxiety and out of fear, you are now free indeed. There's no going back to it. Any fear, any anxiety, any stress and worry and, 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 and people telling you you're not good enough and you never, you'll never, never be good enough. You can't step in. That is a, a, a voice and that is a lie straight from the pit of hell. It says, if the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. What are we going to be free from? In Romans 8 chapter verse 2 says, we'll be free from the law of sin and death. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Why would God, who's all-knowing and all-powerful, care enough about you and I to free us, to send his son to die on a cross? Because John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So loved the world. He loved you and your transgressions. I'm here to tell you, you're a sinner. The Bible says none of us are righteous, not a single one of us. We are born into sin, and without Jesus, we die in sin, an eternal death. But because of God's love, he has called you out of the pit, out of, your, out of your sin, out of your shame. And he's saying, I love you enough to send my son. Think about that. The God who created everything that you see today, he knows every hair on your head. He knows your yesterdays, today's. He knows your future. He knows everything about you because he cares enough and loves you enough that he sent his son, who's fully human and fully God, to die on the cross for your sins. And is now resurrected at the right hand side of the father and is waiting for his bride, you and I. One thing I've learned in my life is life is too short. 
I've allowed a lot of things in my life to hinder my walk with Christ. A lot of things to, to, to speak lies over me and say who I am and who I'm not. And I've come to the conclusion in my life that I'm not going to do it anymore. This life is too important. There's too much at stake to go out and to live the life that, the way that we want and hope that in the end we'll stand before God. Today, if you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, I sure hope, you know, a lot of people say the best we can do is just live a good life and hope for the best in the end. I'm telling you, that ain't good enough. That is not good enough. You have to make an intentional you know, switch. You have to reach out to Christ. He says it through Christ. And by calling on his name, it is through Christ and Christ alone that we can get to the Father. He says, all who call upon my name shall be saved. All. Not just white, not just black. Not just red and yellows and purples. Not just men and women. All who call upon the name shall be saved because he loves you. You might be thinking I'm just a crazy, crazy old preacher talking about this stuff. Listen, I've lived it. I've been in real low places. I've been in real high places. I've had nothing and I've had a lot. And in between, God has been the same. He's been unchanging. He's loved me through everything. And he's shown me grace and mercy when I wake up the next day. And if God can love me, I can love myself too. And if God can love you, you can love yourself. Perhaps you've known Christ for a long time. 10, 15, 20 years, 30 years. You know, I love old people. And I don't mean old people to be derogatory or to, or to be mean. I'm saying I love old people as a form of wisdom. I love speaking to old people because they've lived a life and the wisdom that they share. But do you know I've had a couple of older gentlemen both say, and I don't know if it's just a man thing or not, people that have, are coming to the end of their life have told me, listen, I'm not worth anything anymore. I've lived my life. I have nothing else to offer. I'm telling you right now, that's a lie itself. I don't care if you're 50, you're 80, you're 100. If God wanted to take you, he'd have taken you a long time ago. He's placed you here for a reason, and it's time to step into that calling. You're here to touch somebody, touch a, a young, young person like me. Everybody's got a reason here. And it's time to find that calling and to live the life and quit wasting our time, right? Hope you all hear my heart today, right? go ahead and close in prayer and we'll turn it over to Pastor Matt. Heavenly Father, God, what an honor it is to come before you, Lord Jesus. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for each and every one of us, Lord, and I thank you that your spirit arrives just in time, God, that you arrive in our lives at the perfect time, Lord. God, I thank you for that you care enough about us to speak to us even today, Lord, that you've forgiven us of our sin, Lord. I thank you for that sacrifice, God, for what you endured on the cross, Lord, for our sins. God, you came down off that cross and you're alive and well today, Lord, dwelling in the heart of your people, Lord. I pray that you would allow us to be open people, God, to your calling, that you would allow us to be open to opportunities to serve you, to reach the lost, and to care for people, God, and to love people. You said, Jesus, that the, that the two greatest commandments is to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind, Lord. And number two is to love people as yourself, God. I pray that we'd be a people who love each other, love ourselves, love you, God, and live a life of sacrifice, Lord Jesus. I thank you, God, and I praise you, and I pray that you would keep us in your hand, God. Keep a hand of protection on us through the week to arrive back here together to worship you, Lord, and to love on one another next Sunday, God. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
have a good Sunday. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.